Welcome to the Total Wealth Academy radio show, where wealth includes much more than just money. It includes family, fitness, romance, and all the other parts of a balanced life. Listen and learn how 70% of the millionaires in America made their money using real estate. Now your host, real estate investor and consultant, Steve Davis. Hello and welcome to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. I am your host, Steve Davis, where as always, we're here together working to improve our financial IQ. Uh, Total Wealth Academy is a coaching and consulting business. We teach people how to use real estate to build a second stream of income, either actively, mostly passively, and we are investing in everything from single-family homes to senior living, self-storage, apartment complexes, strip shopping centers, hotels, you name it. If it's real estate backed and it produces monthly cash flow, we're investing in it. And today I want to talk about a couple of things. First, I want to talk about questions for the sponsor. Now, I did this last week on a different day. And we have different listeners every day, as you can imagine. So I'm going to redo it because this is a really important thing to know when you're looking to invest passively. You need to know the right questions to ask and some of the things to look out for. Now, does this replace an all-day class? Sorry, it doesn't. Um, This is just 15 or so questions that you should think about when you're choosing a sponsor or leader of the deal or general partner. Uh, These will help keep you out of dumb doctor deals. Um, And as you know, I prefer the phrase dumb high income earner deal because it's not just doctors that do dumb deals. It's dentists, it's attorneys, it's any high income earner that lets their ego get involved And they go, well, I'm a high income earner. I have a lot of money in the bank. I must be really good. So I'll be a good investor. Um, Please remember, that would be like me saying, I'm a great investor, so I'll make a good dentist. Or I'll make a good attorney. Or I'll make a good doctor. You know, don't go under under the knife with me. I'm just warning you. (laughs) You've got to be humble in this business. And really in life in general, of course, But you have to admit you don't know what it is that you don't know. And this is what gets high-income earners into these dumb deals. So these are some questions to keep yourself out of dumb deals. Now, do you have to ask all of them? The answer is no. Many of these questions are answered in the DEC, the PPM, Private Placement Memorandum, and the operating agreement. So before you start asking questions of your sponsor, you need to read through the deck, the PPM, and the operating agreement to ensure that those questions aren't already answered in there. Again, most of them are. So the first thing that I like to look at with a sponsor is their experience. Now, do I do deals with brand new sponsors? This is their first deal. Yes, but generally they've built up a portfolio of single family homes or they've done 
20 or 30 flips, they've proven themselves to be a go-getter, a successful person in one way or another. So experience doesn't have to be in the self-storage industry or whatever it is they're buying. I'm looking for real estate experience of any type to see what type of person this is. So the first question that I ask is how long has the team been in place? The team would refer to a big syndicator that has a CFO, an asset manager, and so on. I want to know how long the team's been in place. And a lot of this comes to a statement they'll make, we've got 50 years experience. That might be 20 years experience for one of them, 10 years for another, 20 for another. They kind of combine it to give you a look at how many years experience combined they all have. Is there a requirement for any level of experience? No, this is a question you ask for your own confidence. You may say, I don't want to invest with anybody that hasn't already done a full circle apartment complex. Full circle means they've bought it, rehabbed it, refinanced it, and sold it. Full circle. I don't know if I 100% agree with that as a necessity. I do, well, we'll talk about that in a moment. So how long has the team been in place? This can let you know, again, some of their experience. How long have the principals been in real estate investing? And this is always really interesting to me because you hear the stories where they go, oh man, I was a single family investor for 10 years. Then I bought my first little apartment complex. Now I want to buy a big one. I love that. You know, somebody who has struggled, busted their butt, and made it from the bottom, which is the beginner start with single family. The next experience question is how many assets have they acquired? And they may say, I've got. 65 million under management, 100, I'm sorry, 1,100 units, whatever they've got as far as assets, they're going to answer that question. And of course, the more success that they have had in the past, the more confidence you'll have investing with them. But always remember that phrase, past performance does not guarantee future performance but it's sure a healthy indicator of what can happen. The next question, have they been through an up and down cycle? Again, not a requirement for me, but if they say it, if they go, yeah, I went through 2007, 8, 9, and 10, then boom, you know they've been in both the up and down markets. They've made money in both the up and down markets, so they know both strategies. Experience two is how familiar are they with the location? Now, this one almost always gets an impressive answer um, because when they are underwriting a deal, doing their due diligence on a deal, they're going to learn what's going on in the neighborhood, in the area of town, and 
we've got a deal right now, a new construction deal, apartment complex. They did three years of market research before they decided to break ground. And that's impressive. It gives me extremely high confidence in that deal because of how familiar they are with the location, with the city. And then, do they currently own and manage anything? This is almost always a yes, but again, sometimes first-time sponsors, the answer may be no or yes, but it may be they're buying an apartment complex and they have 20 single-family houses, and so there's your answer. They, excuse me one second. Sorry about that. They say, yeah, I'm running 20 houses. That is an example of some serious skill to be able to do that successfully. And a lot of knowledge, and it lets you know that they have educated themselves. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about track record and the questions you ask the experienced sponsor. This is the Total Wealth Academy radio show. I am your host, Steve Davis. Thanks for listening. If you have money in an IRA, 401k, or other retirement account, you can use it to invest passively in real estate without tax or penalty. Our average rate of return is three times that of the stock market and mutual funds with much less volatility. If you have over $70,000, you can start passive investing today. Please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. That's TotalWealthAcademy.com for reservations. Thank you. Welcome back to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. I am your host, Steve Davis, where we're talking about questions to ask the leader of the deal, the sponsor, the syndicator, or the general partner. They're all the same words. Um, We're talking now about and moving into some track record questions, which are very similar to experience, but how many deals have they closed? I want to know that. Um... Again, if it's first-time deal, it's not going to kill the deal for me. It's I'm going to look at the deal much closer if it's a first-time investor and find out what type of track record they do have. The answer may be for a new a newbie, they may say I've flipped ten or fifteen houses, I've had twenty rentals, you know, something like that. Now, what is the actual versus projected performance. This is a question for someone who has already done a full circle deal. What did they project and what did they actually deliver? And you'll find that most sponsors deliver more than they promise. And the reason is, this sounds unfair when I say it, but it's it's true. If a sponsor promises you a 20% rate of return and they get you a 19%, they're a loser. People talk crap about them. If they promise you 20% and they give you 21%, they're a god. (laughs) It's not very fair, but that's how it is. And that's why the sponsors have a wise sponsors 
always go a little low, a little conservative on their projections. Are all of the previous deals stabilized and cash flowing? Warning. This is a deal killer for me. Deal killer. If a person says, no, I bought one, it's not stabilized and it's not cash flowing yet, I'm not going to invest in their next deal. Not because I don't think they're great, not because I don't think they're going to do well. It's that it's a distraction. It's spreading yourself too thin. I'm watching a guy right now who bought too many too fast and he's in trouble on all, I think it was four of them. Boom, 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 bought four in a row. Didn't stabilize the first one. Didn't get the first one cash flowing before he bought the second one or third one and fourth one. And now he's up to his rear end in alligators going in recovery mode. So it's a bad idea. If someone doesn't have their property stabilized and cash flowing, they shouldn't allow greed to push them into another deal. They need to slow down and get this one up and running before they start adding to their portfolio. What's the exception to this rule? Do people buy two apartment complexes at the same time? Absolutely. So you could have two deals, but again, their focus is not being distracted. Their focus is on those two deals as one. So I'm okay with that. Buy two at the same time. You realize both of them are not stabilized. You realize both of them are not cash flowing. Your focus is on both of them. Um, that seems to work. But when I see people buy one in January and buy one in July, it just doesn't seem to work. I haven't seen a, a successful person do that, a person successfully do that yet. Um, next question on the track record, if they've had any losses in any deals, can they explain any losses? Now, this one is funny because I'm not worried about someone who did a bad deal. What I'm worried about is whether or not they take responsibility for it. If the person says, yeah, I did three deals, one of them went south, you know, we ended up losing 10%, tell me why. And they say anything like, oh, it was the market, it was the president, it was this, it was that. That's really a turnoff to me. I'm not going to be interested in working with that person. But if they say something to the effect was of, yeah, I underwrote it wrong. Yeah, I goofed up and forgot to check the plumbing. So we ended up with a bunch of plumbing expenses we didn't expect, which can be hundreds of thousands of dollars, by the way, on an apartment complex. If they're taking personal responsibility for it, and their next two deals did work, I'm still going to invest with them. But if they're not responsible, 
that's a red flag for me. Now, let's head into deal structure. And a lot of these are deal killers for me. Deal killers. Now, remember, all of these questions are based on rules. And what do we know about rules? There's exceptions to every rule. So this first one is a pet peeve of mine. Are there one or more co-GPs, co-sponsors, co-syndicators? I don't want that. That's the two-headed monster I always talk about. Where two people are in charge, which means nobody's in charge. It's like a man and a wife who talk about uh, financial things before they make a decision. You know, it's like, well, who's in charge? Who's making the decision? We make a decision together. No, you don't. It doesn't work. Never has, never will. Someone's got to be the leader. And it's the same in these big deals. Guy emails me the other day buying two self-storage units with co-GPs, two of them. My alarms go nuts. I, I email him. I go, John, who's in charge of this deal? He emails me back. I am in charge. I am in charge of both the financial side and the operations side. I am the leader. No problem with those co-GPs. <laughs> Somebody's got to be able to make a decision. I also don't mind, this is going to, you're going to think I'm nuts when I say this. I don't mind three GPs because they can't ever tie. So decisions can be made. If there's a problem, they vote. There's never a tie. There's three of them. Two are going to vote yay. One's going to vote nay. Or two are going to vote nay. One yay. That works. But when you have two GPs that can tie and fight, um, I had three co-GP deals last year that gave me a fit. Just drove me nuts because we couldn't get anything done. Could, nobody can make a decision. So for me, more than one GP, that's a deal killer until... I find out one of them is completely in control and can make decisions and get get the job done. Next, who has complete control of the deal? Again, this is very close to the last question, but you got to ask it if they say they've got more than one GP. And again, warning, this could be a deal killer. Next one. Is this a fund? If it's a fund, it's a deal killer for me. I have looked at dozens of funds. Funds always have a turd in there. There may be four apartment complexes, three of them kicking butt, and one turd that's dragging the other three down. I don't want funds. I don't like funds. I want one-off deals that I can do 
underwriting on and due diligence on. I don't want somebody, I'm not going to give my money to somebody and say, yeah, just go buy whatever you want. And it's just not for me. Are there exceptions to this rule? Yes. There's a fund out there that does it as a one-off. What he does is the very beginning of the fund, he told them exactly which deal he was buying and everybody made a decision to buy it. When he did his second deal, he let everybody know. Everybody was able to do their due diligence and decide whether or not to buy it. So, to me, that's not a true fund. It's more of a one-off with one LLC. But that there might there would be the exception to the rule. All right. When we come back, we'll talk about a few more deal structure questions. This is the Total Wealth Academy Radio Show. I'm your host, Steve Davis. Thanks for listening. The stock market was never designed to build wealth. It was designed to keep up with inflation. The average rate of return over the last 75 years is about 7%. You'll get that even with the ups and downs. If you want a higher rate of return and less volatility, consider real estate. We make about three times as much as the stock market. Please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. That is TotalWealthAcademy.com for reservations. Thank you. Welcome back to the Total Wealth Academy radio show where we're going through questions that you want to ask your general partner, your sponsor, your syndicator, the leader of the deal before ever investing with them. Um, The next one is the one and only that for me is a deal killer. It's a thing called a waterfall. It's where you put up the money and you're really capped at your rate of return. Might be 20%, 15%, 25%. But as soon as you reach that, you get kicked out of the deal. They give you your money back, plus, of course, your 20% rate of return or whatever rate of return they promised you. But you don't get the benefit from the sale of the property, which would have increased that from 20-25% to maybe 30-35%. So a waterfall is where you fall out of the deal at a certain period. I don't want any of that. If I'm taking the risk up front with the sponsor, I want every possible benefit from the deal that I can get. That includes the cash flow, the refinances, and the sale. I do not want to be kicked out of the deal before it sells because that's some of your highest rate of return is when the property sells. Next, we're talking now about the leadership team and asking questions about who are the major players on their team. You know, we've already asked about their experience, but who are they? This is generally on the website. So when you get your deck, there's going to be a link to go and look at the resumes of everybody on the team. And it's wise to do that. Um, What do they do themselves and what do they outsource? Are they, do they have a CFO that does all the accounting? Are they outsourcing that? 
Um, what about property management? Who's managing the property? Are you an owner operator or are you just a GP and you use third party operators? Now, this is difficult for me because when somebody says I'm using a third party, that means I've now got to go do due diligence on that third party. Now, it's not that difficult with the internet, but it is time consuming. So it's one of those things where it's kind of a turn off to me. I prefer owner operators to owners who use a third party company to manage, but this is definitely not a deal killer at all. Um, there's many competent owners who use third parties to manage the property, but just realize that if they say they are using a third party management, you got to do due diligence on them as well. Then you want to ask about any criminal history or financial background issues with any of the team members. Any of the team members. And some of you may say, well, these people could lie about that. It's very dangerous to lie in this environment. The SEC is watching. Other government institutions are watching. Um, if they put something on their website that's not true, they can get in trouble. I mean, it's they got the proof right there on the internet. They can get in trouble very easily. So it's very difficult and risky to lie in the passive investing or syndication environment. So you can count on in almost most cases, they're going to be telling you the truth. How much is the team putting into the deal? It could be anywhere from 100000 to $11 million. I looked at a deal a couple years ago and I was like, I don't even think, I don't like this deal. I don't, I'm not sure what he sees in this deal. And then I looked and I go, he's putting up $11 million of his own dollars. So I looked a little harder at the deal because I knew I was missing something for a guy to be putting up 11 million. They were raising 20 million. He was putting 11. The guy obviously believed in the deal. I just had to look a little harder to find what he saw. So how much they put into the deal is important. Are the numbers conservative or at maximum potential? In other words, did you underwrite it with the highest rents in the neighborhood or the average? And the answer you want to hear is average. You really should underwrite your deals based off the average in the neighborhood, even if you're going to completely rehab it and get the highest rents. In conclusion, you know, you got to remember you are responsible to do your own diligence on any of these deals to determine if it's right for you and your family. You alone are responsible for the final decision. So make sure you do your homework. Make sure you get these questions and many like them answered either through the deck, the PPM, the operating agreement, or by talking directly with the sponsor or one of their representatives. Make sure 
you do your due diligence before you ever get into any one of these deals. And if you don't know how to do the due diligence, that's what we teach at Total Wealth Academy. It's 14 hours of training um, to know how to pick a good deal. Okay, so that's all the questions that I had. Let me open the phone lines. Phone lines are open at 281-558-5738, 281-558-KSEV, or you can email me. It's steve at totalwealthacademy.com, steve at totalwealthacademy.com. Um, the next thing I'd like to do is just go through a case study that we did yesterday because I got several emails asking me to do this, including some sarcastic emails <laughs> that didn't believe the rate of return we were getting. But this is a real deal. We did this in 2021, and it was done by John Manis. He is a self-storage guy, and he's a master of it. And what he did was he picked up two uh, self-storage facilities, several hundred units each, and I believe the total was right at $3.5 million. He had to raise about $1.2 million to get the deal done. He put up 200 or 300, and then the other members of Total Wealth Academy each put up 100, so he picked up nine or 10 of them. That's how he came up with the 1.2 million. Well, three months into the deal, after they closed, he gets a phone call from a real estate investment trust, a REIT. And as I warned you yesterday, REITs are horrible real estate investors. They don't know what they're doing. They make all their profit off the fees up front. They could care less whether it cash flows or whatever. Um, and they overpay like they did in this deal. They literally bought that deal from John nine months after he purchased it. He's got $3.5 million in it. They bought it from him for $5.5 million nine months later. The passive investors in that deal got a 90% rate of return in nine months. So if you had been a, been a member of Total Wealth Academy and you had put up $100,000, you would have gotten a check at the end of nine months for $190,000. When you annualize that, it comes up to over a 103% rate of return. I think it's a 120% rate of return in actuality. Yeah, if you're making 10% a month, that's a 120% rate of return when you annualize it. And that's a real deal. You know, we had a uh, meeting after the deal closed after the sale closed and it was a spotlight night which I invite you to all the time I said how many people here were in John Manna's deal 
10 or 12 people raised their hands. Did you get your checks? 10 or 12 people raised their hands to say yes. And I said, was it a 90 plus percent rate of return? And they all agreed it was a 90 plus percent rate of return. So, and you may say, well, you're just telling us about your best deals. Not true. Um, I tell you about the average deal, which is about a 20, 25% rate of return. And I tell you about the spectacular deals. So I tell you the full spectrum of what's going on. But what happens is there is a thing called luck. We get lucky a lot. And we end up making way more than 20, 25%. I know for a fact that in 2020 and 2021, there were several refinance events that were 85% rate of return or more. I think one was 135% rate of return. All right, this is the Total Wealth Academy radio show. I am your host, Steve Davis. Thanks for listening. money in an IRA, 401k, or other retirement account, you can use it to invest passively in real estate without tax or penalty. Our average rate of return is three times that of the stock market and mutual funds with much less volatility. If you have over $70,000, you can start passive investing today. Please attend our free sample class to learn more. Go to TotalWealthAcademy.com. That's TotalWealthAcademy.com for reservations. Thank you. Welcome back to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. I am your host, Steve Davis. We're in the final segment of the show, so if you've got a question for me, please give me a call right now. It's 281-558-5738, 281-558-KSEV, or you can email me. It's ask, I'm sorry, just Steve, steve at totalwealthacademy.com. Dot com Steve at TotalWealthAcademy.com. Um, first email I've got here is from Mike. Mike is asking the most common question I get. Most of his money is mm, tied up in IRAs and 401ks, and he wonders if he can use that money to invest in passively in real estate. And the answer is yes, Mike. The catch to it is there's no tax or penalty. It stays in your IRA. But the catch is the profit goes back to your IRA as well. So what a lot of the members are doing, let's say they've got, let me choose a big number. If you got less than this, no problem. More than this, no problem. But let's say somebody has a million bucks spread across a couple IRAs, a couple 401ks, whatever. They can take that money and invest it without tax or penalty. And let's say they're making a couple hundred grand a year. They can take a hundred of that out, pay the tax and penalty if applicable, and they don't have to pay tax on the rest of it. So that's a strategy that a lot of members are using. Um, 
one guy, Luis, I believe he brings, he takes 60000 to 120000 out a year, but the rest of the profit stays in his IRA or his 401k. And he's not old enough to have to take minimum distributions yet. So all it is, Mike, you roll over your IRA and your 401k. The most effective way is a self-directed 401 trust. It's called a 401 trust. And you roll it over into that 401 trust. There's no tax or penalty to do that. Then the 401, you use the 401 trust to invest in the apartment, self-storage, or whatever. And again, there's no tax or penalty to do that until you pull the money out of the 401 trust to put it in your pocket. Hope that makes sense, Mike, and I hope I was helpful. Thank you for the kind words about the show as well. Okay, phone lines are open, 281-558-5738, 281-558-5738. KSEV or email me. It's Steve at TotalWealthAcademy.com. Steve at TotalWealthAcademy.com. This next question comes from Katie. Katie is curious. I mention, yeah, I do mention. It takes about six hours a month to run 20 single-family houses if you know what you're doing. It requires education and skill. But yeah, about six hours a month. And every time I've had that number of houses, I've made between eight and $10,000 profit each month. So for me, working six hours to make eight to $10,000, not a bad deal. But that is active investing, Katie, not passive. So you mentioned passive investing. You might say, well, working six hours a month is passive. Okay, but we still consider that active, even if it is a minimal amount of time. And let's see if there's any other questions. Thank you for the kind words about the show. I don't see any other question marks. So if you have any other questions, Katie, feel free to email me again. I will reply to you and and make sure that you heard the answer on the air. Phone lines are open 281-558-5738, 281-558-KSEV. This next question is, I'm going to leave anonymous Um, but it's about, let's say you're unhappy with a GP and you want to get them out. There are, there are ways to do that. The most common is simply to vote them out and put in a new GP. The challenge comes when you've got multiple GPs in the same deal. It's another reason why I hate multiple GPs. You got to get both of them out to put a new one in. And the second GP brought a bunch of their people into the deal. So it's not just Total Wealth Academy members. You've got a bunch of people in that deal that are not 
Total Wealth Academy members. So it's very hard to control and get get in touch with the other group of people. The good news is, in this particular deal that's being referred to, the second GP has all but taken over and their credibility is, well, massive. And their resumes are incredible. They are more than capable of turning this particular deal into a winner deal. And because I've seen the numbers on this deal, it is a winner deal. But again, here's that 2GP thing, and it causes problems every stinking time. So I will email you back after the show, but yes, when a GP goofs up a deal, what we do is we generally go in there, vote them out. Many times the GP is ready to get out because they've, they're beat up, they're tired, they're losing, they're feeling negative, and they want out. So it's not as hard as people would think. When a GP doesn't want to go, that's when it gets a little more difficult, but not too much more difficult. Um, I'll give you an example. This story is years old, um, but you'll, they still own the property. Uh, a GP goes in, buys an apartment complex, raises capital, buys an apartment complex for about $7 million. Two years later, after all his hard work and commitment, it's worth $5 million. <laughs> That's the wrong direction. So we went in, replaced him. He was actually gracious. He was like, man, this was over my head. I couldn't do it. Get me out of here. We got him out of there. I think it's 12 years later. That thing's worth $23 million. $23 million. This is why I always say real estate is so forgiving. Because almost always any problem with a commercial real estate deal, it's the GP. It's the manager. Almost always. Almost always. And then you can solve it by politely, fairly getting the GP out. Um, in my 33 years, I've never had a GP that didn't step aside relatively easily. Yes, it was painful, but I've never had one of these um, what would you call it, where you have to do a uh, hostile takeover? Never had, never been through that. So that that's what happens when a GP goes south. You just got to get in there, get the other members organized, vote them out, and put in a new GP who is capable of running the deal. Okay, we are at the end of the show. Please be aware that my email is open to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you, 
you can ask me questions about anything, single family, commercial real estate. Maybe you're worried about your IRA or 401k. Should you do it? I can share with you some stories and some ideas that may help you get past a fear or whatever. So if you've got a question, please email me any time of the day, steve at totalwealthacademy.com. Steve at totalwealthacademy.com. Um, okay, one quick email from Katie who emailed earlier. She just wants to know about the free workshop. Go to totalwealthacademy.com. Click on the free sample class there. Thank you all for listening. Have a great rest of your day. You've been listening to the Total Wealth Academy radio show. Please remember that this show is for entertainment purposes only and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investing advice. Always get a professional opinion before making any investment decisions. To find out more about coaching and consulting at Total Wealth Academy, visit TotalWealthAcademy.com and attend one of our free sample classes on real estate investing. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.